0: Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the city of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message hey Amen. I don't know about you. That was some good worship. Our team this morning, so good. Life is happening all around us. Life's happening to this team. I mean, Nettie, who was singing this morning, it was her birthday this last week. I mean, Kyle on electric, it's his anniversary today. The guitar player wants to marry the drummer later this year. I mean, we got two graduates from college a few months ago, and Tim, who's playing bass, is going to graduate this semester. Like, cool things are happening for our worship team. So we hope that you get a chance to tune in every single week and join what's happening here at Refuge. The question of the day is, when is Refuge going back to in-person services? And I just want to say to you this, as soon as possible. Like, we want to have you back in here as soon as we can. So we are... Working with our team, preparing for that moment, and our hope is in the weeks to come, we'll be able to tell you what that looks like. But I am super encouraged with the life of Refuge. Even though we haven't been able to meet in person, we have still been able to have life and see God do some amazing things. Including yesterday, I got to be a part of a really cool day where we have told you stories over the past couple of years, if you've been a part of the Refuge journey at all. But one of our marquee factors for us as a church is we want to figure out how do we bless the community around us? How do we not just do services, right? How do we not just do this and make sure that God's impact in our community around us is big because refuge is here? And so a few years ago, refuge got pretty excited about the idea of really going after uh, foster kids and making sure that we could do our best to bless them and the families that they live in. And one of the coolest ways that we do that is through a thing called Royal Family Kids Camp. And last summer in 2019, it was our very first summer to be able to take kids from the foster care system in Orange County, take them up into the mountains and give them one week of an experience to be in the beauty of the outdoors as well as to experience God's love. Because some of them have stories that if you heard them, It would make you weep. They have come from the hardest of situations. And we, for one week, wanted to show them God's love. And our hope was for 2020, let's return. But like everything, 2020 looks differently than we planned when January even started. And so for us as a team, as Royal Family Kids Camp team from Refuge... We kind of had to make some adjustments, bend and flex a little bit. A few weeks ago, we got together here at our church location, packed some bags that were filled with all kinds of goodies. Things like a brand new Bible, an MP3 player that has all kinds of cool music, a stuffed animal. Because as a kid, sometimes a stuffed animal is the thing that's going to help you get through those hard moments. Note cards from our team just saying, hey, we missed you at camp this year because camp didn't happen. Our hope is that next year, 2021, we get to have a camp. And so yesterday, our team gathered, we grabbed these duffel bags, and we went all over the place. And we showed up at kids' houses, and we gave them their bag, and we just said, we know we can't have camp, but we want to be able to connect with you and remind you that God loves you, even in a world and a time like this, where everything seems to be off the table. It looks differently than we planned this year to begin with, but we still want to express God's love. So yesterday was a cool day. If you want to participate with Royal Family Kids Camp, I just want to put a teaser out there for you that for next year, 2021, our hope is to be at camp June 22nd through July 2nd. So even put that on your calendar and make sure that, hey, you want to jump in and share some love and express God's goodness to a bunch of foster kids. You got to do that. It's pretty cool. But yesterday when I was driving here to meet our Royal Family Kids Camp team, something happened in my car and I just want to kind of share something, just remind you that, yes, even me, as a pastor, things get real inside the car. And here's what happened. We were driving, and my kids on the way to church, we knew that we were going to come here and meet our team, grab these bags and go all over the place. But quickly, I don't know if this happens in your world, but sometimes there's these moments where you, you kind of have like a car fight. Have you ever, have you ever been there? Like uh, there were some disagreements, I should say, maybe some not so much love being shared in the back seat. And I wasn't in the back seat. I was driving. And things got crazy. And it all had to do with someone in our family wanted their own room. We got three kids, and we got two bedrooms for kids in our household. And someone's going to lose out. Someone's not going to get their own room. Someone's always going to have to share. I don't know how this happens in your life. This is what happens in our world. And so we've had different combinations One kid with this kid, the other kid with this kid, sometimes someone has their own room, sometimes someone doesn't. And the issue of day is like, when am I going to have my own room? And then uh, the one who has their own room right now was quick to point out, well, like, just wait four years until the oldest one leaves, and then you'll have your own room, as if that was going to really satisfy things. So I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever been in this moment where you've been complaining at times, Any complainers out there, you just feel like everything's terrible right now. And yes, it's easy to jump into that bandwagon motif and just say, yep, 2020, I can't wait to get to 2021. Like, that's what everyone's saying. They're like, oh my gosh, do we have to go through one more thing? I want to complain about it. And interestingly enough, my kids from yesterday and at times me, and my guess is you, there's going to be these moments that we find ourselves in good company with people who have storylines in scripture. And today, of all days, like we, we here at Refuge, we read through what's called the lectionary calendar or the liturgical calendar. It's a way for us to kind of pace ourselves through the Christian year. And obviously, every, obviously everyone has a, a start to a new year, whether it's January to begin the entire calendar. For some of you, it just began because school year marks the start to something new. But so much so, like in the, in the liturgical calendar, the same thing is true. We want to mark the seasons of the year based upon what's happening, especially how they get reflected to Scripture. And so the lectionary readings for today, there's always an Old Testament reading, there's a New Testament reading, there's a psalm reading from the book of Psalms, and then there's um, a gospel passage. And it's interesting to me that today, the majority of all the passages that we learn about are a bunch of complainers. So like I said, my kids from yesterday and again, perhaps maybe you and me at times will find good company in some of these storylines. There's two passages of scripture that I'm not even going to read today because they just kind of set up this idea of complainers. If you go all the way back to the Old Testament, if you remember the story of Exodus, this is that moment, we told this story a few weeks ago where, where baby Moses who's born in that basket gets drawn from the river by the uh, the daughter of the king at the time, the daughter of Pharaoh. He gets raised up in, in Pharaoh's household to become one of the Egyptians, even though he's not Egyptian. And then eventually, a couple, couple years later, a couple decades later, he comes to grips with who he is and his identity, and he leaves town after killing someone. I mean, that's a, I feel like that's a good fact to remember that not everybody in, the, in Scripture is a shining example, right? Sometimes we have a past that God redeems and still uses, right? That, I feel like that's a great story to be reminded of on days like today. For some of you, and me, We know those stories from the past that we don't talk about all the time. We don't really get into at the dinner party because we're so worried about what people will think about us. It's good to remember the stories of Moses and others who made mistakes, and yet God still redeems their story and can use them for the future. So Moses leaves town, wanders around the desert for a bunch of years, comes across this burning bush that doesn't burn up, right? This is Exodus chapter 3. God calls him from within the bush, the voice of the Lord. I don't know what version of the voice of the Lord that it is for you, whether it's James Earl Jones, which I feel like it's a great one, or maybe it's Morgan Freeman. I don't know who your voice of God is, but he calls from within the bush and tells Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt, back to the place that you left, and I am going to rescue my people because I've heard their cries. All right. So here's the deal. Moses leaves town with the people. He goes back to Egypt, explains things to the king, the pharaoh. There's 10 plagues that happened. You remember that storyline. They get out of Egypt. They go across the Red Sea. They get into the desert and the wilderness, and they know this is probably going to be it for some time. They're wandering for quite some time. And you get to Exodus chapter 16, which is one of the readings for today in the lectionary passage. And it's all about a bunch of people who are complaining. Actually, to be real honest, The storyline that we get from Exodus chapter 16 is a bunch of people who are hangry. Have you ever been hangry at times? Like, when does this show up for you? Is it mid-morning? Is it early afternoon? Is it late at night where you can't function fully because all the levels aren't there? Because you haven't eaten your food yet? Have you ever, anybody out there, raise your hand with me and tell me, have you ever felt hangry at times? Have you ever been around someone who has been hangry at times? They're not very delightful to be around. That's the story of Exodus chapter 16, and they're complaining. They complain so much that Moses is finally just takes it to God, and what are they complaining about? They don't have food. Literally, they're hangry. They're mad because they don't have food, and they have the nerve to say to Moses, like, oh, man, why did you take us out of Egypt where we used to have so much food? Like, I love to give, like, crazy voices to people who are, like, saying things in Scripture because it helps me. I don't know about you, like when you open up the Bible, you should give them crazy voices. I don't know if it's like a British accent or something, but like you, you should give them something. They're complaining because they don't want food, and they want to go back to Egypt. And Moses goes to God, and what does God do? God gives them exactly what they want. And I get frustrated with a God who does that sometimes. Because I feel like God should treat people the way that they are treating him. And when they're hangry, and they're talking back, and they're fighting in the backseat of the car... God should get mad. But what does God do? God gives them the food. God gives them some meat. He sends them some quail. I don't know if you've ever been quail hunting before. He also sends them bread. And he sends them a daily amount of bread. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, give us our daily bread. There has roots from that storyline back in Exodus chapter 16, where every single day, God gave exactly the amount that the people needed. And if you hoarded more, it spoiled. And God wanted them to get that idea no, 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 don't take more, just take what you need. So we got a bunch of complainers in Exodus chapter 16. There's another Old Testament passage that gets kind of tagged to today on this reading day of the lectionary calendar. And it's one of the most famous passages of Scripture at least in my mind. I love this story. It has been foundational to the start of our church called Refuge here in the city of Orange, and it's the end of the book of Jonah. It begins in chapter 3, and it heads into chapter 4, And what takes place is, like most of us, if we've heard the story of Jonah, we stop at the deal, like, is it a big fish or is it a whale? Like, that's like the big thing that we're worried about. But actually, the storyline goes that God is dealing with this guy named Jonah because he wants to go send Jonah to this place called Nineveh. And Nineveh was filled with people that watched R-rated movies and probably voted for Democrats or Republicans. I don't know which side of the angle you're on. I say that joke quite a bit, and uh, it falls flat, just like it did right now in this audience. I don't know, OK, are you laughing? Okay, cool. So anyway, Jonah has to go to Nineveh to this place where people are doing really wild and crazy things. I don't know about you. like it's like the worst in Sin City, whatever Sin city is to you. But Jonah has to go there and he has to express God's love and kindness, but also his warning, like, hey, if you don't change your ways, God's going to destroy this place. And interestingly enough, the people of Nineveh heard Jonah talk, and they changed their ways. And what happens in chapter 3, verse 11 and following of Jonah is that Jonah leaves town and goes sits under this little tree, begins to wither, and he gets mad. He starts complaining. He's not hangry like the people of God back in Exodus chapter 16. He's angry for his own reasons because he knew that God would actually change his mind. So God does this a lot. God seems to take the complaining nature of our lives, and he hits us where we're at. So for me, if I look back on the storylines of Exodus and I look back on the storylines of Jonah, I find really good company because there have been moments for me that I've been guilty of complaining quite a bit. I don't know if you find yourself in one of these moments, if you have complained about 2020, if you're complaining about the way things are around you, you're complaining because some people make you wear masks and some people don't. I feel like I'm just bringing that one up from last Sunday. If you don't remember the storyline from the sermon last Sunday, I put the challenge out there like, it's not really about that. People who want to say, I I want you to wear a mask, like those people are just as welcome at the table of God as people who are like, I don't want to wear a mask. And that's the world that we live in right now. And we've politicized the issue. And it's more than just saying, hey, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. And that's where even the next few weeks we're going to be pitted against one another. And we're complaining. We're complaining about, oh, it's their fault or it's oh, actually his fault. And interestingly enough, that's where God wants to meet us in this storyline. But today's story is not the Exodus story of Moses where he's got complaining people because they're hungry or hangry. And not the complaining people of Jonah or actually just Jonah himself who's complaining. Today we get the story, Matthew chapter 20. So If you've got a Bible, I want you to pull it out. If you've got a phone that has a Bible app, you could even go to BibleGateway.com. They don't receive any money. We don't receive any money from that, that little promo. But go to BibleGateway.com and you can pull up today's passage. And I want you to join with me as I read from the New Living Translation, Matthew chapter 20. Verses 1 through 16. This is what's called the parable of the vineyard workers. Might seem familiar to you, might have uh, trotted in this ground before, but here's the storyline of what Jesus is saying to his followers. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work at 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. And so he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to, the, they went to work in the vineyard. At noon, and again at 3 o'clock, he did the same thing. At 5 o'clock, That afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. And he asked them, why haven't you been working today? And they replied, because no one hired us. And the landowner told them, then go out, join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. And when they received their pay, they protested to the owner, those people worked only one hour, and yet you have paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then. And those who are first will be last. That's one of those principles from Scripture, this idea of the first being last and the last being first. That perhaps is familiar to you. And this is actually the second time that it shows up, even in the book of Matthew. The previous chapter, chapter 19, where Jesus is talking, he says it there as well. And it's interesting that this story that we have today where Jesus is talking about the parable of the vineyard workers, the storyline of these people who go out at different times and they work, he bookends the story with telling about the first shall be last, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. What is it that Jesus is trying to get across when we come across this portion of Scripture? What is he hoping that we get? And again, remember, the people that day would have known the stories from the past. They would have remembered the stories of Exodus chapter 16, where they remember the people complaining to God, and God in his kindness and in his grace and his generosity provides the food that they want, the bread that they need, and the quail, the meat. They would also remember the story of Jonah who complained. Jonah is a fascinating book. It's the only book in Scripture that ends with a question mark. God asks Jonah the question, "Jonah, how could I not how could I not care for the 120,000 people of Nineveh?" Like that's the storyline and the question that God ends the book with. So we get this idea that the heart of God is way bigger than we think. And we come into this portion of scripture. We get Matthew chapter 20 in our eyesight and we see what God's like, and it's easy to read him into the story because most likely as Jesus is typical M.O. was, God gets represented by the vineyard owner. God is being represented by this guy who goes out at different times, and I don't know about you what this looks like to you, but it looks like Home Depot to me. You, You know what I'm talking about. You have driven to Home Depot at different times of the day, and there are people at the edge of the parking lot who are hoping, beyond hope, to get hired for that day. The majority of the people are out there early part of the morning. Some show up or continue to be out there at later parts of the day and might get hired. But this is Home Depot. This is what we see in our own day. This is not just some esoterical exercise for us. As we think about scripture and what's happening, it's actually real life to us. But it's actually more than just Home Depot for us. It's it's our lives because you and I have been brought up to believe that the system and the way of life for us is if you work harder, you get more, right? It's the student that we tell, you better work harder and you get the good grades. And we're told this and we repeat this on and on and on. Get the good grades and you, you can actually graduate with honors. You graduate with honors, you get to go to the right school. You go to the right school and you graduate from there with honors and you get the right job. You get the right job then you might get the, and you fill in the blank, And we're told to believe that, hey, if you work harder, you get more. And that is true in our world, especially the world of America, where we have this capitalistic understanding of life, where you work harder, you put more hours in, and you get more. But this portion of Scripture turns things upside down, and it's as if Jesus, when he's talking to his people that day, is reminding them that the kingdom works way different than our capitalistic understanding of society. No longer is he using just the analogy like, hey, work harder and God will love you more. Because we've even done that at church. We have put forth this idea that if you show up at church more, if you do more, if you give more, God will love you more. And I was reminded of that even yesterday as we carried these bags to these kids who have nothing. A lot of them. And the joy on their faces when they receive this duffel bag and there's like this placard with their name on it that's been quickly scratched out and drawn we get to show them the love of god in this quick moment and we remind them no matter how bad the circumstances is you may not have worked for what you are getting in life right now but the lavishness of god's love is unending and that's why jesus is telling this story And there have been centuries of interpretation of the story and commentary where people have thought, well, what is it that Jesus was trying to get across in that day? Was he talking about, hey, those of you who have been in this whole time and then those of you who showed up late? Because I'm ticked off at the story. It's the person who showed up at 6 a.m. to start working gets paid the same as the person who showed up at 5 p.m. Do you get that? Like, that doesn't seem fair at all. And we live with this assumption that if we're going to stand before God, God's going to treat us fairly, but that's not it. If you heard the voice of the vineyard owner that day, he says, I'm going to do what's right. And he has complete ability and power and authority to do whatever he wants to do on his vineyard. He can pay the person who shows up at 5 p.m. with one hour of daylight left. He can pay that person the same as the person who showed up at 6 a.m. And did you, did you hear what the person at 6 a.m. said? We've been out here all day in the uh, scorching heat, right? Like, hey, Jesus, like, or vineyard owner, let me remind you how hard it's been this whole day. And the people who have interpreted this have even done analogies or um, looked at it in certain ways. Like, well, maybe the early workers in the vineyard would stand for the Moseses and the Abrahams and the, You know, the patriarchs of the faith. And the people who come late in the story or the people who come late to the vineyard would be like the Gentiles of Jesus' first century context or perhaps even people like you and me who show up so late in 2020 to this idea and understanding that God's kingdom is big. That's one way to look at it. But ultimately, the way that we look at this story is get an understanding of God's heart. When we understand God's heart, It changes everything because, again, he has turned our understanding of life upside down. Yes, the world that we live in says, work harder, you get more. But interestingly enough, that's not how the kingdom works. And I don't always like it, if I can be real honest with you. I don't always like that's how God is because I want a system of fairness and I think if I would appeal to God's fairness, he's going to do what I want him to do. But that's not true. What we get from this story is not fairness. What we get from this story is God's version of rightness. And God's version of rightness and his version of the story says, I can let people in whenever I want, and I can pay them whatever I want. So if we look at this story from the Outside looking in right if we have this bird's eye view of what's happening It's more than just about a vineyard owner who's trying to get work done in his vineyard Because the way that jesus was good at telling stories. He's trying to bring home a point It's not too late You don't have to have some pedigree. You didn't have to show up. You didn't have to become a christian a long time ago He's actually inviting us to the vineyard today But here's the deal He's not inviting us to the vineyard so that we can become disgruntled by people who might show up after us. Does that make sense? We're not invited to work like the older brother from that story in Luke chapter 15, who is ticked off that the brother leaves town with the inheritance, squanders it all in what's called wild living, and comes back groveling to his dad. And the dad decides to throw the robe on him, put new sandals on his feet, kill the fattened calf, and have a party. The older brother, who stuck out in the field, is like, I have been here the whole time, and you have never given me anything. So the question for you and for me is, what's our response to God's kindness to people in this world? Is there a chance that God is actually kind and loving towards people that you and I have written off? Because again, if we're going to bring back what I talked about last Sunday, we speak categorically about people all the time. Oh, it's those people's problems. Oh, it's that person who does this. There's no possible way that God can love them. And my guess is that if I were to sit down and have an honest conversation with God over coffee, I don't even know if he drinks coffee, but he would remind me that it's his choice, not mine. That even if I have pushed people to the fringes and I have pushed them outside, God's still interested in bringing them closer. And he's inviting people into his kingdom left and right because he wants to invite people to this kingdom. It doesn't matter the time of day. To him, he just wants you there. To him, he just wants you to get a sense that we all get a chance to participate in the kingdom if we're willing But again, not as disgruntled workers, not as people who think that we can strong-arm God and give him our timesheet and say, you owe me something. God's not in the business of owing heaven or kingdom to anybody. He's just saying, would you come? Would you come work in the kingdom and let my kingdom be known? Would you come work in my vineyard and express to people the goodness and the richness of the soil that is all around me? And you and I get to say, I just want to work in the vineyard because I don't care what I get paid. I'm working for the vineyard owner, and he's good, and he's righteous, and he's just. And I don't know how I can deal with the shifting sands of where things are at in 2020, or I don't even know what 2021 is going to look like, but I trust the vineyard owner. I trust God. I trust God who's saying he's welcoming me into his kingdom, and he's doing the same for you. And he's saying, are you willing to work? Not are you going to hold your timesheet to him and be like, you owe me something. But God's in the business saying, "I I want to invite you to the vineyard. I want to invite you into the kingdom. I want to invite you to be my hands and feet. I want to invite you to be the one to express blessing and love and kindness and righteousness and justice and ethics all around. And there are not people that we get to push to the sides. We don't get to do that to people. We don't get to say, I've been here longer. I deserve more. Because otherwise, we just get lumped into the crowd with the people from Exodus. We get lumped into the crowd with Jonah. And we get lumped into these disgruntled vineyard workers who showed up at 6 a.m. For you and for me, if we're going to be honest with each other, we're probably the ones that showed up at 3 p.m. or 5 p.m. We come late to the game. And God, in his kindness, is saying, you are welcome. So what does that do to a person like me who so often wants to write people off because of what I see them saying or doing? I see God's heart. That God's heart is probably bigger than I can imagine. If I get a glimpse of anything from this story, it's God's grandeur and his love is huge. He is not going to stop pouring it out for those who want it. Oh, he is good oh, his vineyard is worth working in because his kingdom is on the move. I feel like that's the story for us on this day, in September, in this season that's really crazy right now for everybody. We're trying to make sense of it all, and God is constantly inviting us to work in his vineyard. And he's saying yet again, will you come? Will you come be a part of my story, not just your story, where you're trying to work harder, to make more, to get to that vacation that you want to get to, to pay that thing off that you want to pay off? That's not how he works. He's saying, are you interested in making sure that your life matters? Oh, how your life needs to matter. I feel like that's the thing. Does your life matter right now? Does my life matter? I don't want to just go through the mo- I don't want to just wake up, do some things, and go to sleep. I want my life to matter. And it matters in God's vineyard because there I get a glimpse of what's real. My hope is for you as we come across this story and as it may stay with you this whole week that you are reminded over and over again of God's lavish love for more people than you and I can imagine. Even the people that we've written off. So would you pray with me this morning as we consider God's challenge to us with this story? Lord, you are good. Your vineyard, which represents your kingdom, is amazing. You let people in at all kinds of times. The gate is always open for you and for so many you have done a good job of standing there welcoming us into your world and into your kingdom, and I hope that that's not just flowery language that we speak of on Sundays or any other day of the week, but it's actually true and it's real, because as we are invited into your kingdom, we get a sense that our life matters more than just trying to go through the motions. I don't want to just clock in and clock out. I don't want to just get my paycheck and be done. God, I want my life to matter, and you are giving us a sense of what matters, with stories like this, where you turn things upside down and you challenge us to live boldly for your kingdom. So God, I pray your blessing upon all of us this week. We need your presence. The world that we live in right now is crazy. It is hard times. Every single one of us has a story where it has not been the easiest of years. We want to be reminded that you are walking with us even in the midst of your vineyard where we can get the coolness of the breeze at 6 p.m. in the evening time. But we also want your refreshing touch when it is so blasted hot outside. Metaphorically, figuratively, and physically. God, we need you. God, we need your presence. Would you go before us and light the way? Would we get it this week? Would we be welcomed yet again into your kingdom and into your vineyard and see what your kingdom looks like as we welcome others into it? Let us not hold our timesheets out and say we matter more, we're worth more. But God, may we have confidence as your sons and daughters to welcome others to experience the same. Because your world is waking up to your kingdom And you're waiting for us to work hard. Not for the paycheck. But for eternity. For what matters. For what matters in this life and in the life to come. Oh, how we need you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at refugechurchoc. We hope to see you again soon.